the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into Hour 2. It's a delight to welcome back to the show uh, one of the nation's uh, great attorneys in constitutional law, government relations, and election law. We're privileged to have him right here in Phoenix at the firm of Snell and Wilmer. He is partner Brett Johnson. Brett, welcome back. Thanks for joining us again. Oh, Thanks for having me, Seth. Um, Brett, we've been covering a lot of aspects of uh, school closing, school opening, school mandates, what the governor and the legislature have been up to, what the president and the federal government has been up to. And never before has uh, have I seen such a such a good example of what Madison described, that our problems are partly federal, partly national, as well as is our Constitution. Here in Arizona, we thought we made a pretty common sense. Some of us, several of us thought we made some pretty common sense uh, laws uh, in the uh, in the last session with the legislature and the governor and the governor, for example, including uh, not uh, not having schools be able to mandate mask wearing, among other things. That law was going to go into effect uh, this week. Today, I think it was yes, struck right. down on Monday by a superior court judge. Can you help us out with why it was struck down and where do we go from here? Sure, um, and thank you, Seth. Uh, so basically, it got struck down by the Superior Court, and it's, uh, it's already up on appeal to the Supreme Court, and we'll, it'll be interesting to see whether or not the Arizona Supreme Court takes the case. But basically, the, the law was struck down because um, it was all put as part of the budget. Basically, it's called a budget recon- reconciliation bill, where everything was put in there, and as part of appropriations and expenditures, these laws were put in as basically conditions on, on the expenditures of money. Um, the Superior Court judge thought differently, and she d- determined that it was not linked to the appropriations of money and, um, and the, the powers of the purse, but instead were policy statements that needed to stand alone in their own bills. And there's a, an archaic um, law that goes back to the founding of Arizona in, in uh, 1912, that discusses a single subject and that every bill has to have a title that puts everybody on notice what that law is. So she made a determination. It hasn't happened very often in our state history. She made a determination that what the legislature did in this case was what was called log rolling, putting a whole bunch of bills into one thing for purposes of uh, getting across the budget. Our guest is Brett Johnson, partner at the Phoenix office of Snell and Wilmer, partner at the firm Snell and Wilmer. Brett, um, is there is she telling the legislature some judges do this we see this more often at the US Supreme Court but some judges write their opinions telling the legislature what to do to pass muster you know if you were to rewrite it or redo it a different way it would find uh, favor in the court's eyes kind of kind of wink and nod in the dicta is is she telling the legislature to go back and do this as a standalone, or is she inventing some kind of novel theory about what a budget bill can and can't have? 
you know, it, it's not a novel theory. She's definitely using old theory okay. for, uh, um, for for this kind of proposition. Okay. This is the first time. An- really antiquated rather than novel, maybe, would have been the better word. <laughs> that, that, that's right. But she did give a roadmap, and she, okay. she, was, she at least made the argument that, hey, I'm not trying to pass policy here. I'm just saying you guys didn't administratively do it correctly in the sense of either put it as a standalone bill and let it be debated correctly, or make sure that it's tied to the actual budget, like make sure there's a money component to it. And and because, the, in her opinion, the legislature did not do that, and obviously the legislature believes that it did do that. And it passed muster in what's called the Legislative Council, which is a neutral body down there that reviews all of the bills that go through the process and ensures that they're constitutional. So it went through that process. They thought they were doing it correctly. Obviously, Judge Cooper um, disagreed with them, and, and who knows if, um, you know, kind of the heartstrings were tugged a little bit based off of the arguments that were being made by the plaintiffs. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, I, I was always thinking that way as well. I remember in my civil procedure class, the first day of class, the law professor said, just one note, folks, I know a lot of you are going to say, what is the law on X or Y? You want black letter law. You're not going to get it here because it doesn't exist. Are we in that world? Where law is just in the hands of whatever judge it gets in front of, it's so much clay in their hands, or 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 was this somewhat predictable? You know, I, um, I would say I, I know a lot of judges, and I think that the judges, for the most part, try to do the right thing mm-hmm. based off of their reading of the law. Mm-hmm. And she put some language in there, for example, that this is just a plain reading um, and moving, but, but they're human beings, yep. right? Yep. And, and sometimes the passion of, of oral argument, I listened to the argument, the plaintiffs made a very passionate argument, the state made a very academic argument, and that sometimes they're human beings and that comes into play, and they're, you're not immune to that. So I'm not saying that Judge, her name's Judge Cooper, I don't know if Judge Cooper did that in this context and, and, you know, had some sway, um, in that way, but she definitely was able to, at least in a 17-page opinion, justify her, her reasoning. Um, she recognized that it was going to be fast-tracked to the Supreme Court, and she said, this is what I think. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see um, what the Supreme Court does with this. Do you find it um, hair-pulling or maddening, Brett, that when a lot of us talk about you know health measures, uh, health regulations, including mandates, saying they belong under traditional police power interpretation, to the states. The states try and do these things. They engage in these, if you will, laboratories of experiment only to also find those doors closed to them. Do you find this increasingly to be the case, whether Arizona or elsewhere? Well, I I think that if if you're talking about the state's police power, which, you know, the U.S. Constitution was very clear. Mm -hmm. Police power is in with the state. Mm -hmm. Now, some people say, well, the federal government is also, you know, the state, the state government, the government of the state. And that's an incorrect in, in, interpretation. And I think what, what state governments are facing right now is kind of a backlash on federalism um, and, and also maybe some fear that, you know, who knows what's going to happen at the federal level um, to, to interfere with what's going to happen at the state level. And I, so I do, I do say that, see that the police power of the state is being diminished a bit. Um, and, and in many cases, it's, it's on from both ends, right? So, yep. You know, you have the cities and the municipalities kind of trying to flex their muscles. Yep. But you have the federal government doing the same thing. The state is caught in, in, in between trying to ensure that there's some consistency as to police power exercised throughout the state. Brett, uh, let me put you uh, on the spot. You're 
skilled enough to handle the question any way you want. But when the president of the United States issued his mandate, I know it's on vaccines, and when he issued that, did that raise your eyebrows a little bit as an, as, let me now use the word, as a novel constitutional tool? Not just novel, but not founded upon any principle, let alone constitution or statute. I mean, um, I think that President Biden um, came out. It was a nice uh, uh, talking point and probably got people stirred up and maybe gave some justification for some employers to take action that they wanted to take anyway and just were looking for the justification. But right right now, there, there's nothing out. I mean, it was, again, a good public, uh, you know, public media piece. But um, OSHA, which is out of the Department of Labor, has not issued any kind of ruling. Um, and for the government contracting side, there was a two-part to that. The government contracting side has issued some guidance, but the government contracting clauses have not put out. And with the trend of where we're going on COVID-19, there's a, there's a good chance we'll never see that just because of the way government bureaucracy was. But the problem is, is that because of the, uh, the bully pulpit, everybody thinks that there's a federal mandate out right yeah, now. Yeah. And, and so it worked. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. Everyone does. And people are getting laid off and fired for not complying. Right. I mean, and and, right. and it that's doesn't right. it doesn't quite exist yet. But neither does the relief a lot of parents were hoping for uh, with their children and masks in Arizona. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it, we're going to obviously have a lot of educational reforms going on over the next couple of years. And I think homeschooling is obviously increased. It's going to increase, I think, even more. Um, but. Parents right now who don't want to live in a regime of mandating um, their kids wear masks, what's the best hope they have right now on the pending litigation? That the Supreme Court takes it? Is there a court of appeals that could see it first, or does it have to go to the Supreme Court from this point? Or is it it the legislature coming back into session? What do you think? No, well, that too. We'll we'll cross that bridge in a second. um, Right now, the, the state has moved for the Supreme Court to take the case. Okay. Um, and on an, um, basically 5 o'clock today, the plaintiffs have to respond as to why um, the Supreme Court should not take the case and should go to the Court of Appeals process. Um, if I'm a betting man, I bet the Supreme Court takes this case. It's just too important of a statewide importance uh-huh. um, not to take the case. Mm-hmm. But separately from that, the legislature can always come back into session um, and uh, according to what Judge Cooper kind of identified. Um, to be honest with you, I think that's probably maybe a tougher uh, lift right now, too, because there's been several resignations and unfortunate yeah, death. Right. Um, and so that you always have to look at that, that uh, process. Yeah, too. no, of course. Well, I expect. Well, let me ask you, when would you expect you said by it wouldn't be by by close of business today, but maybe in the next next week we would know if the Supreme Court takes this, you think? No, I, I bet I bet we we know by tomorrow. You think we probably. know? That perfect. Oh, oh yeah, this this important of a case, I would be surprised. But you know what? Um, you know, I, I argue the the two hundred eight case too, right? Yeah. The, the, the big tax. Yeah. And we expected the Supreme Court and, quite honestly, Superior Court to act a lot faster due to the importance of that case, and and they took their sweet time. So I'm hoping that they do the right thing here and, and take it up. It's just too important for, quite honestly, state rights yeah. and, and federalism principles that. Uh, it needs it needs to be resolved. Well, um, well keep so your line I, open. I, I, <laughs> keep your line yeah. open because we're going to call you back <laughs> once we hear something, Brett. This was extremely helpful because people are just confused by this. You know, they're very confused. They are. 
And oh, and that's and yeah. that goes to the whole thing of yeah. the confusion. Yeah. Is, is you know your city's putting out one thing. Yeah. Your your job is putting out another. You got President Biden saying something else. Yep. And the legislature trying to do its best to to walk that fine line. Yeah. No, I've long said there's a a, a a crisis industrial complex. It seems in the law there's a chaos industrial complex operating here now too. At least when it comes to COVID. I appreciate you helping uh, helping us straighten it out, Brett. Truly, I do. Uh, thank you, sir. I appreciate everything no you are and do. Thank you. Take care. Thanks you for having betcha. Me. You betcha. Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Lawyers, guns, and money. Is that what it's going to take to fight this thing? We'll see. Rick is in Phoenix. Hello, Rick. Friend. How are you, sir? Well, I'm getting along. You're a man Good. who, uh, if I can uh, disclose a little personal information, you're a man who uh, who spent some time in the Bible and among the faithful. Yeah. When you heard the governor of New York say that those who are unvaccinated are not listening to God, did that comport with what you hear I- from God? I heard you play that clip, and Seth, that is very, very scary. When people in authority, and as you pointed out, people like her who have a position of authority and the ability to do things, um, that's, that's very, very scary. And I think we have quite a bit of that going on. It's yeah. interesting when people were complaining that pastors, priests, and rabbis and ministers of all kinds have made so many congregations political. Oh. People have left those congregations for it. It's interesting. Here you have a congregation, so you're speaking to a congregation in New York. Here you have a congregation that just decided to do away with all pretense. Let's just bring yeah. in a politician to give us a lecture on what God wants. Yeah. You know. Well, the Democrats have been so hypocritical on that issue for years and years, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Democrat uh, candidates and politicians have gone and preached and spoken in churches and done very political stuff, and then they've turned around and said, now, you you guys on the right, you can't do that mm-hmm. because uh, it'll endanger your 503C, yeah. you know, and yeah. that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. So, Seth, this has been a really... A, a really great and kind of depressing <laughs> show today. Yeah, uh, the 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 Democrat just seems to keep expanding exponentially. I heard how you put that. That's well. That's that's well uttered. Yeah, and and that's uh, I I say that to keep from saying. No, I get it. Worse. I talk about the rot, but yeah, you know. yeah, that's right, the rot. And so to keep from hanging myself. I decided to do something that I think Rush Limbaugh used to talk about, about illustrating the ridiculous with the absurd. Okay. So I was thinking about this a day or two ago. I think you and one of your uh, callers were talking about uh, changing your names or doing some things with your names so that they would be more prominent, stand out. Oh, I, yeah, I was making yeah. the point that some people, was this the point where I was saying some people go by two names regardless, right. some people are known by their first name alone? 
Yeah, yeah. So, so we had a caller, I think it was our friend Doug, who was speaking about Hemingway, Hemingway, and it, not it. Ernest, but Molly, and I thought, you know, yeah. I know, not sure Molly's there yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. that's right, it was, yeah. it was Doug. Yeah, yeah. Doing it. yeah. So I've been giving this a lot of thought. Yeah. So uh, here, here goes. Just call me Mellow Yellow. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm just mad about leaps and leaps and No, we don't. Want, no, I don't think we. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Just no, no, call no, me no, mellow, no, 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 It's funny, but even people. It is funny, even people um, whose names can be in and of themselves unique. They get the two name treatment. I'm thinking of my friend Hugh Hallman. No one calls him Hugh. Everyone calls him Hugh Hallman. It's always yeah. the first and last name. Same with Hugh Hewitt. There's something about the fricative, I guess, people like. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That I hadn't thought about that, but that I think that is true. That that, that does seem to people talk true. about Larry. They don't need Larry Elder. They can say right. Dennis. They don't need Dennis Prager. Right. Right. Uh, but they do say. Uh, they do say uh, Dr. Gorka or Seb Gorka, not just Gorka and not just Seb. Yep, yeah, that's It's just true. funny how this stuff works. I don't have much yeah. more to go, not much further to go with this. So, <laughs> I really don't. Well, I, I, so if you, if you just want to call me Mellow Yellow, okay. now if, you would like for, if you'd like for me to re- record that for your bumper music, I'd be more than happy. As to much do. as I want you to call me Mr. Mellow or Yellow Mellow or whatever. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> as much as I want that, I want you to record yeah, this. I'm just mad about Lee's yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, we got it. Yeah, no, we didn't call for an encore. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, Seb. That's, that, just, is that the medley, is that the medley of your greatest hit? Is yeah. that all you got for us, <laughs> Rick? Right. Nothing on the budget or anything else? Me and Donovan. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah, I just, I just had a I, I, serious, it, on a more serious note. Yeah, all this stuff is just about to make my head explode. I know. I, mean, I, I just, I, we talk about the anxiety and the stress <sighs> and how much you know we're at our breaking point or how much we are up to our necks in it. Yeah. And the Democrats don't stop. They're all no, accelerator, no. no break on any yeah. number of fronts. I'm going to have some guests on next week that are telling you about things that have not made the news that are going on in this administration that I'm sure this administration is glad you're distracted from. Oh, There's yeah. a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. A lot. And and it's it's so disheartening because – there just doesn't seem to be any accountability. There seems to be no responsibility. They are just going headlong uh, to to I don't know what I don't know what they what they're thinking. It well, just, when when you're about appetite and not hunger, you're never satisfied. And I true. think the that's left true. is about appetite. There is it's not original to me. I've heard any number of conservative. Thought, uh, mm-hmm. thinkers say things like there is no good answer you will get from the left to the question at what point will you be done yeah at what point will you be done you know a lot of it this will get me into the next hour a little bit and the big topic i want to explore which is this governor hochel statement yeah. but you know a, a, a lot of us a lot of us thought that we had a pretty good road map between you know 1776, 1787, and 1791. A lot of us thought we had a pretty good roadmap with their amendments. Uh, We didn't realize, I guess, we didn't realize 
how um, how bereft we were of guidance. So much so, so much so are we bereft of guidance that it's taking the president and the governor of New York to implement God's will because the yeah. American people aren't listening close enough. Yeah. It's really a very frightening thing. It is, it is. And, and thank you, Seth, for discussing and highlighting and bringing this out and for encouraging all of us to contact uh, Cinema. Yeah. Cinema. Do it. And, Say at it, girl. You bet. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. On the question of what one, two, or three musicians would you uh, want to have lunch with to talk to them about their work, I gave you mine uh, Paul, in order. Paul Simon, Stephen Stills, Jimmy Buffett. One of our listeners uh, said, um, said Bob Dylan, to which I said, isn't that an admission against interest? Because... You are such a Dylan fan, you're saying there are things he sings that you don't understand. And he says, of course, but that's true with any any great poet like T.S. Eliot or any great writer, Dante, Shakespeare, Godness, goodness knows. And he's right. He's right. The more abstruse, the better, I suppose. The more recondite, the better. <coughs> that is our cultural and vocabulary lesson for the day. Bill is in Buckeye. Hi, Bill. Hi, Seth. Hey, say thanks for taking my call. Of course. Um, great show. Um, I just got a question. It seems like the federal government is uh, grossly negligent in enforcing the border, resulting in um, death and harm to uh, Arizona citizens. And uh, does the state have any any right when the or any obligation when the federal government does not, due to their gross negligence, does not fulfill their responsibilities, and a state has to, um, in order to protect their citizens and whatnot, their property, uh, fulfill those obligations, does the state have a right to uh, request compensation for, um, from, from the U.S. government for their costs? It, well, it, 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 it's a really complicated question, Bill. It's a good one. And it's a really it's a really com complicated one, and it and it has to deal with uh, states' rights, obviously, versus federal. It has to do if it's an individual. It has to do with federal tort claims acts. It's it's an area of law that's uh, I think it's considered conflict of laws. To be honest with you, I'm giving you a lot of technical language because I don't know I don't know uh, the latest precedent on this. What I do know is that states' attorneys general can, and this one ours, for example, Mark Burnovich is, can can sue the federal government on any number of individual policies that violate, uh, that violate our state's uh, constitution or that require the state to, in our view to, or his view, to act unconstitutionally. And he's engaged on a lot of those fronts. As far as uh, recouping damages from individuals, it's a much, much tougher road to hoe. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I will let our attorney of record here, Brett Johnson, know of the question the guy I had on a little earlier. And I'll have him come on next week and explain the contours of that. I'll get the expert on that. Is that fair enough? One other, appreciate that. That'd be great. One okay. other question along that line. Unlike Anthony mind. Fauci, who says we're not going to guess, 
unlike Anthony Fauci, I'll tell you when I don't know something. I'm telling you I don't know the full the full and complete answer to your question. Uh, that's that's totally totally understand. And um, it, it seems like it seems like the federal government is now considering, um, you know, usurping state rights and uh, taking over uh, mandating election rules. Uh, clearly a violation of the Constitution. And does the state have a right to issue an injunction prior to passing any kind of law uh, that is clearly in violation of the uh, federal Constitution, uh, like, like, uh, like taking over uh, uh, election law? Yes, yes. A state can try to do that, of course. And... You know, think about how it has been done, obviously, in reverse. You see it more, probably more prominently in reverse, just given the leftist bent of our media. So if a state legislature were to pass something like, uh, oh, I don't know, call it SB 1070, trying to, you know, assert its sovereignty and protection from illegal immigrant incursions, um, where the federal government refuses to act, you know, you, you get news about the federal government suing the state, uh, right, over over issues of the supremacy clause or preemption, perhaps, is the notion in some of these cases. I have argued long for a long time that, you know, it's 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 not exactly preemption if the government isn't acting on its obligations. But you do see that. To answer your question in the affirmative, you do. You do see it. It's just that the media usually covers it when it's the federal government going after the states because it's usually a blue fed going after a red state. That's where you see it more often. But it does flow in both directions. Thank you, Bill. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, little Jersey boys for you right there. Hey, Rob, how are you, brother? I am good, sir, and I, uh, I uh, had a couple of things. Today is uh, what would have been Buddy Rich's 104th birthday. Oh, my goodness gracious. And, how did we miss it? Well, because I hadn't called in yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fair – that's that's a good answer. Perfectly clear question, well, perfectly clear well, answer. Well, I like that, yeah. Well, and even more surprisingly, he would not be one of the three guys that I would, uh, you know, like to talk to because I think I know about as much about him as anybody else on earth. One of the great um, trumpeters uh, uh, in Arizona just texted me saying uh, he and he knows music. He's played with a lot of the big acts, uh, some of the biggest. Um, he said Paul McCartney, Leonard Bernstein, and Clifford Brown. I remember Clifford. That, that yeah, I remember actually. Clifford. That's a funny chart name too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah it's, it's true. And actually, uh, good for you for knowing really that story. reference. Um, I uh, I think I would want to talk to John Coltrane because uh, I think he was as complex a character as you could ever ask for, mm-hmm. and of course, saxophone genius and a great believer in the higher power up there. Oh, interesting. Um, I would. Uh, I would also want to talk, I think, to Louis Armstrong, because I think he was in music and the jazz movement from the very beginning. And uh, I think Bernstein would be a great third choice. I was thinking more along the lines of a, you know, a Toscanini or a Johannes Bastenbach or something like that. But 
Bernstein was such a genius, and uh, he I remember his Young People concerts on TV growing up. That is just, and of course, West Side Story. I think that was his masterpiece. You do? Uh, I I think so. Other than you know, Overture to Candide was pretty good. Um, and he'd just written so many good things. He's a damn uh, interesting person. And yes, I would very, love, yeah. he wrote a very famous op-ed in the New York Times in 1988, defending the notion of liberalism during the Dukakis-Bush campaign. It's worth going uh-huh. back and reading, um, because I bet he would be shocked by what has become of his definition of liberal in America today. I bet he'd well, be shocked. I, I, But then again, I don't know. I don't know. This is why lunch would be good, because he, of course, also had no problem hosting the Black Panthers and thinking that was liberalism. So I don't know. Yeah. And and that's uh, that was actually one of the points about Leonard that makes makes him a very complex individual, but a brilliant brilliant composer and musician. Now, um, one of my main things here is this whole the definition of a mandate and because it's a noun and a verb and it's basically from what I understand, a mandate is an official order from someplace. <laughs> now, but it's not a law, correct? Well, there's no such thing as the U.S. Uh, Code of Federal Mandates. <laughs> that's right. right. So, so, well, no, that's a good point, because I'm, I'm just thinking that if those of us who say... It's 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 playing games. It's it's playing a lot of games here. You're you're right to put well, your finger on it because it's coming out of an executive order, which is where you do get mandates. And of course, executive orders were never meant for massive policy changes across the United across the uh, the republic. Well, that's right. And in the sense of uh, you know a voter voting in somebody into office, uh, that person being voted into office may believe he he or she has a mandate. Uh, to do whatever that's another way to do. think of it yeah exactly yeah but but i think you know what, what's confusing to me uh is that everybody brings up this word mandate without really knowing uh, well either what it means or what authority has a mandate over everybody and if an american decides that they don't want to follow a particular mandate whether it's masks in schools for kids or whether it's getting a vaccination or not if you say no technically you're not breaking the law by doing so and therefore i don't understand why there's all this drastic action about laying people off well they were just waiting for it man they were just salivating because they're laying off what did united lay off 600 people today um this who refused to take uh take a vaccine that and in the absence of the federal mandate it doesn't exist yet it doesn't. Exactly. It has not been implemented yet. They are salivating exactly. to be tyrants. That's what yes, has happened here. Are. The point of an executive order and a mandate within the meaning of what Joe Biden has done to use the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, what he is doing here, what is the exact opposite of the purpose of an executive order if you have some scintilla of constitutionalism left in your soul or in your brain. The point Mm -hmm. of an executive order is to help implement law that is constitutional, help implement that which the Constitution already recognizes. There is nothing about this that the Constitution has spoken on, recognizes, or that Supreme Court precedent or dicta authorizes. This is possibly the least substantiated and substantial 
mandate with the most far-reaching consequences. Think about that for a moment. Well, and, and people should think about, too, again, you know, this goes back to basics. The Constitution was not written uh, for government. It was written to limit the size That's of correct. the power of the federal government and to maximize the individual freedom and liberty of the American individual. Yep. And I don't see where any of this mandate stuff does that very thing, maximizes our freedom and liberty, and uh, instead it reverses what the Constitution was really written for, which was to limit the power and scope of the federal government. That's right. And gov- government and, in general, and, and lest we forget... As my friend Steve likes to remind, and he's right to do so, there is an Article 4 Section 4 that says the United States guarantees to every state in the Union a Republican form of government. There you go. There you go. And this apparently doesn't seem to uh, uh, be uh, is it congruent or... Uh, it, it doesn't appear to be. Uh, it, it doesn't line up with that. Yeah, no, it's not. It's it, it's absolutely when, when the federal government seizes seizes traditional, arrogates traditional state power. It's not in concert with the Constitution any more than it's in concert with Article Four. I know a lot of people are saying, "Oh, well, I'm a big 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 uh, Tenth Amendment guy here." Yes, I am. Because it's there for a reason. But how about Article 4? We don't even need to get to the amendments yet. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's that's really, I think, the whole point. And again, from those of us who may not be as constitutionally savvy as those who have attended law school or are constitutional scholars, I believe that a mandate such as this goes against everything the Constitution stands for and therefore must be pushed back and uh, we must just say no and will not comply. You know... The left, uh, the left was applauded for singing along with Pete Seeger such songs as We Shall Not Be Moved. You know, there's a civil disobedience tradition in this country. We used to honor and esteem it running from Thoreau to King. I have a feeling we're going to be the new, we're going to be those new uh, civil disobedience. Happy to be one. It's an honored tradition for an honorable cause and country. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Steve is in Tempe. Hello, Steve. Hello, Seth. How are you, man? It's been a while. I'm doing good. Yeah, good. it's been a while. Good. Hey, uh, I've got, uh, first of all, maybe uh, favorite musicians or just musicians that I'd like to have. Yeah, you have questions with. of. Yes. Um, I. You, uh, you being a trumpet player, you're forgetting one of the... The all-time greats who would be i'm not sure about his uh, dinner companionships i i've heard he's kind of a closed-in guy but uh how about miles davis well um i think it may be i yeah he is a closed-in guy he's dead <laughs> but in in his yeah he i i think i may have seen his last concert his i think i may have been in, at his last live concert i think i might have been i need to research this but wow. it was at the hollywood bowl and wow. uh if he turned his face and trumpet to the audience over the course of an hour and a half more than twice i'd be surprised it's a w- really? very weird man on stage. Hardly hardly faces the audience. Kind of treats the audience as if 
he's doing you a favor. Um, it, uh, yeah, yeah, but probably, probably there's a lot there. Probably there's a lot there to, to learn. Yeah. I've, I, I'll tell you, I've yeah. never thought him to be a good trumpet player. Innovative, yes. Good, I just, I never counted him there. And I may be, I may be very, very wrong about that, but I never count, count, yeah. counted him a good trumpet player. Good musician, not the best of trumpet players. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, I think that's a good, good assessment of him. He's, he's, uh, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of his, but I, you know, he's he's a guy that he changed music. Style. Yeah, no, he changed he changed yeah. music. Yeah, yeah, he was an innovator. Yeah. You bet. No question. And uh, the other two are uh, both uh, from super groups. Uh, uh, one being uh, George Harrison. Yep, that's and a super group. <laughs> yeah, that would be a super group. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah. I would choose him over all the other Beatles because I, I swear I think that man had more talent than any of them. More than and, McCartney? Um, you know, I, I guess in different ways. I mean, okay. they were all very great. Talented okay. All right. In their own right. Different ways. But, I mean, I'm talking about just uh, musicians. Give me one more musician. We'll take the break, and then we'll do mandates on the other side. Is that fair? Give me one more musician real uh, quick. Other one is Mick Jagger. Yeah. That's an yeah. I'm surprised you're the first to say it. I would have thought that a lot more people would have had Mick Jagger on their list. It's interesting. We've got uh, two trumpet players, three, right? Clifford Brown, Miles Davis, and Louis Armstrong. Of the three, by the way, for those who want a good dorky argument, I would argue that Louis Armstrong was probably technically the best of them of those three. I think Louis Armstrong was the most talented. You can push back. Mandates when we come back. And what is God telling you about the vaccine? Someone knows. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 